Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 65th episode of the Tuesday Night Podcast. I'm your host. I am back. My name is SBJ, and with me today, I have Sean. Hello. Hello, hello. And Alan is not with us, but I brought B-Team's Finest. I also think this is a first. A, B-Team, mixing it up. Yeah, I don't think uh, Sean and Will have been on the same episode, but Will is here. We were on at Gen Con. That's true. That's, That's true. true. And I have been on with Alan. Yes, but not on with Sean. I mean, Gen Con's like non-traditional, though. That doesn't... Doesn't that, count? Yeah. That's like the live versions of Night Vale. They don't count. Will can compare and contrast now. Not right <laughs> now, because I haven't had the whole show. But at the end, we can get our scorecard. <laughs> so last week, if you guys listened, it was Sean and Alan. They talked about like their new, new Year's resolutions, what they got for Christmas, a couple other things. I don't... I should do the uh, to the Necroboomicon card of the week. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow, jumping into it that quickly. No, no. Let me let, let me lay out the format yeah, yeah. real quick. Uh, we'll do the Necroboomicon stuff because I think you guys have two more characters left, two or three more characters left to reveal, uh, and then we're gonna do our topic, which is like the not like a goal, but maybe it could be your personal goal for 2017 of getting people to play games for the first time and and i don't necessarily mean gateway games i think it's that maybe that person that just says they're not a board gamer and there's no board games that would ever entice them i think it's more of having a conversation or understanding their mindset so that's going to be our feature topic and then i think we can all just mention what we've been playing but i think it's all been repeats of what we've uh we have been talking about the last couple episodes so maybe we'll just uh reinforce that these games are good and that's why we're continuing to play them uh, week after week. With that being said, Sean, I'm going to put the spotlight on you and give us a new Necroboomicon card. I think we haven't done the Necronomicon yet, have we? No, that sounds fancy. Okay, yeah. The Necronomicon, it's a gray card. It's the card from which this pack derives its name. And it's really interesting because essentially what happens is if you and everyone else in your room were to lose at the end of the game... Instead, you all win. So a good example of this would be if you're in the same room as the bomber at the end of the game and you're the Necronomicon and the president's in the other room, so the bomber and everyone in your room is going to lose. Instead, you all win. I think that's right. It's a complicated card. <laughs> um, you also have this ability where you can privately reveal your card to a player and they can say whether they open the book or not. And if they open the book, then that player will lose at the end of the game. Uh, the power doesn't work in the last round. So essentially, it helps with games where you can all lose instantly, like with, say, the black card. If you were to lose instantly in that room, then instead everyone in your room wins and everybody in the other room loses. So it's... It kind of makes it like opposite day for the room that the Necronomicon ends up in. It kind of does. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Maybe Alan can get on the show next week and correct me for being wrong on this card. It's one of the harder cards in this set. <laughs> But it really is kind of interesting. I feel like with the, all the cards you guys have given, it seems like when you build a deck to play with in the future, you don't put all of these cards in one deck. We've done it before, but it's a great way to ensure that the game only lasts like 17 seconds. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I think when you have a expansion pack like this, you introduce cards slowly and for like an intended effect. You say like, okay, this week, this you know, this game we're gonna play with. The black card um, and Necronomicon or something like that. Like we're going to play with a card and a counter to that card 
and then some other roles that might enhance it, like spies or koi boys or something like that. Terms and a Boom is is great if you pull all the levers at once. It's a lot of fun and can be chaotic. But I think it's also good if you only toggle like a few levers at a time and say like, okay, this game is going to all be about color sharing, or this game is going to be about uh, you know room switching or allegiance changing or the leprechaun. You know what I mean? To like to really focus on one particular mechanic in your playset and sort of see where you can go with it. That sounds great. That sounds really great. I didn't listen to all of last week's episode, but did you put a date on this Kickstarter yet? Or the expansion for? We're hoping to do it in January, by the end of January. We're finishing up some stuff for the video right now, um, but everything else logistically is ready to go. Um, So we're going to start building out the page here soon. I'm leaving town for a week on Saturday. um, So sort of put a kink in like moving forward really, really fast. But by the end of January is when we want the Kickstarter to go up. Excuse me, Sam, do you have the time? But of course, it be topic time. So our topic this week is having that conversation with people about playing games. And I think it was the episode Sean and I were on where we talked about, where I talked a little bit about, I think it was during the conversation when I was discussing Tada or Happy Salmon, where there are people we meet that say, that they're just not into board games. By now we know, and we've talked about gateway games like Sushi Go or Love Letter or Happy Salmon or anything like that. But there is a lot of times where you meet somebody who goes, oh, like I don't watch TV or I don't play video games or I don't read or I don't play board games. And just saying like, oh, just show them Love Letter, I don't think is the best way to convince them or best way to uh, get them into board games. I think it's more of a conversation piece. But we were talking a little bit about this before the show. And I think the the funnier conversation is like the people that go, I don't read. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's sort of like, and you run into this and usually people mean like, I don't read books for pleasure, right? Like, I, like people read their Facebook feeds or they read news on the internet. But people will say like, no, I don't really read. I've even run into some people who say that and are really smart. And what they mean is like they spend most of their time building or making stuff. They're brewing, you know, uh, beer or they're like building little drone kits and they're like reading, they're looking stuff up on the internet. But what they mean is like for pleasure, just to read, just to intake a story or, you know, learn something new. I don't do it is usually what I find that people meet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But do you read? Well, (laughs) That's a tough call because when I was like in high school, I was one of those dudes who had like three books going at a time, fiction books, not nonfiction. I like was constantly reading. Anytime I walked anywhere, I had a book open in front of me and I was reading while I walked. And now I don't read nothing. What happened? I, I don't have to, I don't have time for it. I just like mm. literally don't have that amount of downtime where I can be sitting doing only one thing and only focused on one thing. That time just does not exist for me right now. That happened to me with uh, anime, um, which I love, but having to watch a show, uh, particularly like with the subtitles on, it's like I can't even play on my phone or uh, be skimming something. or I have to like devote all my attention to paying attention to this one show. And then I have to like binge watch it. If I'm going to get done, I've got to get through all these like seasons and that kind of thing. Whereas like most television I could be kind of watching it and I could be drifting in and out of my day or I can make a note, but it's like I'll completely lose track of everything I'm doing if I miss the subtitles for a second. 
No, I, I understand that. And I never watch subbed anime. I only watch dubbed because I can knit or crochet while I'm doing that. Oh, so that's cool. I'm definitely getting something done while I'm watching anime. And I pretty much only watch cartoons. So there you go. You've revealed my weakness. Will's reason for not reading. Oh, also because authors these days are no good. There hasn't been a good <laughs> author since like J.D. Salinger. That's the bar? That's the bar for you is J.D. Salinger? <laughs> no, that's the only name I could pick out of my head. I think like Eudora Welty is like my favorite author of all time, but who's ever heard of her? I think my girlfriend's talked about her within the last two weeks to me. <laughs> it's an I awesome collection of short stories. It's called Light Can Be Both Wave and Particle. Highly recommended. It's about her life as a child in 1942. Move on. So Will's mm-hmm. reason for mm-hmm. not reading isn't because he doesn't enjoy it. Or at least that's not what came across. It was because you don't have time versus what else you want to do. And I think that's a a fair reason for people to say, like, I don't read. Even though, like, that is an outlet of entertainment that exists. So, but that reason of I don't have time doesn't fit to the not wanting to play a board game, right? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, maybe board soli- games take some time. Maybe solitaire. Oh, sure. Like playing by yourself. You mean like in a social situation, if I wanted to play a board game with you and you're like, I don't really like to play board games. It's like, well, you weren't going to be doing anything else other than hanging out with me anyway. Right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. Or even... I think I think this was the situation I used two weeks ago, but my friend Alex, when he goes and sees his girlfriend's family, uh, he always tells me that they don't want to play any board games, and instead they they are watching football or cooking in the kitchen or decorating cookies or doing other things, and their reason beyond the fact that uh, they don't want to play, but their reason is. We just don't play board games. I, d- I didn't know what advice to give him to... Like what you could say that would open up their mind to why you love them, like why you love board games. Right, yeah. Obviously, you, you don't want to force somebody to do something they don't want to, but it's not like it's not like you're trying to convince them to like bungee jump or to skydive. There's very little... It's low risk. Right. Yeah. <laughs> there, besides their time... And which which can range like a game like Love Letter can take you know less than five minutes. Besides their time, it's not like they're getting hurt. Well, I mean, people who don't want to play board games are people who are just afraid of any having any kind of interaction with the other people in the room besides something that's completely superficial. And I guess maybe this is this is their mindset we're trying to understand. Do you think that they like like a person who reads? Do you think that? I mean, Will, 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 you said your reason was you don't have time, but other people, their reasons could be like... the Words wor- are hard. Words are hard. Books are boring. Books are boring. Books take a long time. Mm-hmm. Three of the books I'm reading are all 10-hour long books. And when I say reading, I mean because I'm listening to them on Audible, but I am actually reading one physical book. What are, what are the three books you're reading right now? I want to know. So I'm reading Thank You for Arguing by Jay Hendricks. Okay. I am reading... Well, hey, if you want to do corrections, that the author was Ellen Gil- Gilchrist, not Eudora Welty. Oops. It turns out. I'm reading The Willpower Instinct by Kelly McGonigal. Uh, I just finished Smarter, Faster, Better by Charles Duhigg. And uh, I am reading a meditation book, an actual book. I don't have it in front of me, but I think it's called Headspace mindfulness and meditation so those are those are the books i'm reading 
Not bad. But, but going back to board games, like, do you think instead of like the words is hard argument, is it I'm afraid I'm not going to understand the rules or is it I'm afraid I'm going to lose or I don't want to look stupid losing or I don't want to look stupid not understanding the rules? Because if they if they came out and said those reasons, like I don't want to lose, you, you go with a co-op game, right? Like there are... Sure. There are games that fit situations of people's fears or resistances when it comes to board games. They, it's just, I don't play board games is such a bad excuse because if they said what they liked or didn't like, I feel like there's a board game for every one of those likes and dislikes. Yeah, I think you're onto something for sure. You know, some of it is sportsmanship, right? Like games are too competitive or they're stressful for me, right? And so you can work around that. But generally, probably you have to talk about like what their experience with board games is like. It's probably something from their childhood, right? Um, like Clue or Monopoly or just like these like little board games that we've all played a sort of million times. But board games are also interesting in that the only medium in the world where someone has to read a rule book, like internalize those rules, then teach it to everyone else. And then you kind of have to like fumble through a shitty game before you even like know what you're doing. And that's super intimidating. Like we say it's low risk, but literally probably bungee jumping is easier because they probably strap something onto you, give you like a little safety class and like throw you out of a helicopter or whatever they do. <laughs> Not saying bungee jumping is easier than playing board games. I'm just saying like in terms of risk reward for your time, the risk that you will not enjoy any random board game is probably higher than not enjoying any random movie. Um, not because there's not, there's like more good movies than there are good board games, but because your investment is so much higher. Like no matter what, I'm like getting out of this movie in an hour and a half, right? But with this board game, I could like lose or play the game wrong, or I could win and people could be shitty about it, right? <laughs> like there's just a lot that could that could go wrong in a board game scenario. Yeah, with board games, you're making social memories that can last and scar you for a lifetime. <laughs> and no, I Which think is just like my everyday. <laughs> well, like my childhood. But right. I think, yeah, a lot of people are turned off by the thought that all board games are ultimate win-lose, right? That there there isn't any other type of game out there. You know, they just they don't have that awareness that there are some games that are just played to have fun and there's no real win. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast talking about this, that there should probably be a distinction made between a game and an activity. And like a game is something where it's okay to compete to try and win, right? Like, if we play volleyball, it's fun, but, you know, one of us is going to win, and it's not wrong to try hard to win. But some games are meant to be played as an activity. Yeah, there's a winner and a loser, but it's really just out of a sense of sort of tradition. Two Rooms and a Boom is a good example of that. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, you could play it really competitively, but you could also just play it as sort of an activity. Like, let's see what happened, right? Dixit's more of like an activity. Code names is also it also feels more like an activity than a super competitive game. Whereas like I wouldn't want to play Magic the Gathering as an activity, probably. Um if I play a lot of CCGs, you know, probably I could just blast through three or four games with a friend and we could do it sort of as an activity and not really care who wins or loses. But I think sometimes there's this distinction between games and activities that people don't make. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes yeah. absolute sense. Yeah, totally. Like no one really plays chess as an activity. <laughs> There's a distinct right. winner and loser in chess. And and I think that's okay. And I think like sportsmanship and competition are like good things and they're good things to practice and good things to learn. 
but they don't have to be the the sum total of your experience in the gaming world, right? For example, uh, when Al and I first started Tuesday Night Games, we were both really into social party games, light games, low uh, risk, low stakes, you know, really high on the like laughability index, I guess you'd say. And uh, as I get more into games, I find myself really enjoying other types of games, but in different contexts. Like, I didn't really like Euro games because they seemed stupid and mathy um, and had no, like, social interaction. And so I started playing them with the Board with Life guys, like Donald and Chris and Nikki. And I realized, oh, this is just, like, a thing we can be doing while we're hanging out and talking. And we can, like, play the game and, and focus on the game part of the game um, as, like, an activity we're doing together. And there's a winner or loser, and you can try hard. But in a Euro game... How hard you try is not stopping other people from trying hard or not trying at all, right? Because it's like we're playing solitaire together. And Donald even brought up a great point that Euro games are really good for people with like social anxiety who who want something that they can easily focus on or tune out of um, when, you know, like the social stakes get a little high, if that makes sense. It's like uh, like alcohol. It's a good social lubricant. Sounds like I need to be playing more Euro games. <laughs> They're nice for that, yeah. What, what is the conversation... How do you control that conversation then when somebody says they don't like games or they don't play board games? Have, have, you, have either of you been able to successfully convince one of those people to give a game a try or try to understand where they're coming from or why they're hesitant because maybe they are afraid of the win-lose situation or the competitiveness and you instead played Pandemic with them or something? Has there any, been any success stories that our listeners can take away from this? Well, I'm a really popular guy. So most of the time, if I say I'm doing something, most people just want to do it with me. So I haven't really had that problem. That's um, why I did cocaine for the first time. Well, <laughs> I'm not there yet. <laughs> because but... Will was like, we're all going to go do cocaine. It's Dude, we're, we're doing lines. But no, I... Uh, I mean, I, I brought Mysterium to work and did an email to everybody at work. And I was like, you know, noon in the break room, I'm going to play some Mysterium. And I had 10 people show up. Oh, so that's, that's all awesome. it took for me. How many, how many of those people, though, never played a modern board game? All of them. All of them. <laughs> oh, dude, wow. never met the people I work with. There's like one guy who has a regular gaming group. And he, you know, comes and talks to me every Friday morning because they meet on Thursdays to talk about what they've played. And I've never heard of any of these bizarre games. I don't know where they're getting these games from. But that's like the only person out of the 200 people in my department that plays board games regularly modern games regularly. i think that's funny that the only other person that plays board games plays games like on the other end of the world from what you play you don't even have that common connection of like oh, yeah, <laughs> oh no. yeah we both play this game like no he he came in what what is the movie it's not the seven samurai the japanese movie about the like not ninjas the ronin like mm -hmm. so he comes in and I was like, oh, did you get like any games? 49 Ronin or whatever. Yeah. He, I, I was like, did you get any games for Christmas? He's like, yeah, I got this new game called Ronin. And I was like, I've never heard of this game Ronin. And I listen to a lot of these board game podcasts and nobody's talked about that one. And he's like, yeah, you got these little like samurai swords and you have a board. And and then also his group has another one called Seven Ronin, an asymmetric two-player game by <laughs> Gray Fox. We need to get him on the podcast. He's got another one called Crokinole, which is like a custom-made oh, wooden board. Crokinole's a really old game. I was just reading about this the other day. Crokinole. So maybe that's um, not a modern board game. But anyways, he's the only it's dude. It's a dexterity game. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> He's the only dude at work who plays modern board games. That's so funny. So with Crokinole's kind of like shuffleboard and marbles all combined. Oh, okay. Yeah. With your with your Mysterium story, were were there people that walked away wanting to know more, or were they really impressed? Like, what was the was there any feel to that group? Oh yeah, everybody wanted to do it again. Just nobody's had time. And and like seriously, if I bring in any games and say let's you know let's play Legacy Gears of Time, I can always get people together to do that. But it's also because I do it during work, and I say, all right, it's it's a Friday. Let's take two, a two-hour lunch. We'll stay in the office. So you're going to be here anyways. So just take some time away from work and let's have some social work time with people. Are you like the boss there? I used or- to be. <laughs> then he introduced <laughs> like, board thanks games. Thanks for just pointing that out. <laughs> you said you told everybody that they could take two hours off work. And I thought that was an amazing power to have as a rank and file well, oh, employee. Oh, no, 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 no. I work at a university. I mean, just oh, okay. saying let's let's take a two-hour lunch is could be just Tuesday. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> Sean, have like you convinced pretty. anyone? I have the opposite problem, which is that the people I run into know that I do games. Not because I'm famous, but because they're, you know, friends and family and stuff like that. And so I'll meet... Lindsay, my girlfriend's, you know, her extended family, and it'll be like, oh, Sean makes games, and they'll be like, ooh, Sean, you'll have to teach us a game sometime. And so there's just like, they want you to show them the games that you're working on for their entertainment, which is great, and it comes from a good place, but it's not like, it's not like I'm coming to them being like, I'm in the mood to play this game. Let's play it, you know? Usually. So you've never had anybody Will Anderson you? Where like you go, oh, you know, uh, or your Lindsay goes, Sean makes games, and then the person says, oh, I hate games. <laughs> oh man, that was such a good impersonation of yourself. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't run into that very often. I have had like um, people say like, oh, I get too competitive, or you know, um, it's sort of like the games that I'm talking about seem weird to them because once you're in board gaming the themes and all this stuff, like it also overlaps really heavily with nerd culture, you know? And so a game that might look really interesting to me, like a Conan game or something like that. Um, it's like, Oh yeah, you control these little spaceships and you're trying to take over this alien galaxy. (laughs) Like, um, the themes can turn a lot of regular quote unquote people off, I think. But no, I haven't had a lot of people say that they hate games around me by any means. I usually have people be like, Oh, that's cool. Like board games or like video games. Do they even make board games anymore? Um, I get a lot of that, too. Yeah. Definitely. I think, SBJ, you're dead on, though. The question has to be, like, what are you afraid of? Or, like, you know, what was your experience like? And also, I have no skin in the game. Like, if somebody doesn't like board games, that's, like, not on me to fix that that preference, you know? Maybe it is from a sales point of view, but the I, don't, I think the market's pretty decent. Um, I think there are a lot more people that are, like, Will's coworkers, where just somebody being willing to offer to host. Like, I think there are a lot of people who wouldn't go to a store, buy a board game, learn it, then teach their wife and kids how to play it and then force them to play it. But I think there are a lot of people who are willing to try something new out for like an hour or less. If somebody else is going to teach them, you know? And I, yeah, and I think ultimately if you need somebody to play a game with you for whatever devious reason, you can always just say to them, I really want to play this game with you because I want us to grow closer, and I just think that this would be a great way for us to share some time together and become closer together. 
Boo. Who could say no to that? That's true. Yeah, no, Sean. no. I mean, that's that, <laughs> most of the time I want to play board games with those people because I would, I strongly believe that they would enjoy the time spent. Instead, situations usually lay out where, you know, there's 10 of us at a family event and two people are very, I don't play board games. And so while we're all, while the other eight of us are laughing and having fun, they're just kind of sitting on the couch. And maybe, maybe it's just that those types of people, but it's almost always a complaint of, well, we're not doing anything together. And it's like, no, we are. I think there's something interesting here um, because something that goes unsaid a lot of times um, is that people learn differently. Like um, Lindsay and I wanted to play. She got me Sherlock Holmes consulting detective for Christmas the year before this last one. Um, I was like, great, we can play it together. And then I broke it down and it's got a lot of reading. Um, And once we got into that, we realized that I, that both of us would need to read all the information. One of us couldn't read it out loud because the other, like we wouldn't be able to really figure out what the other person was saying. If that makes sense. Like we needed to learn visually by reading it. And that was going to make it a really slow, excruciating experience with like one of us reading two pages of information, then passing it to the other person, then going back and forth doing that. And we would just sort of be sitting there in silence, which didn't sound like a lot of fun to us. So I was like, okay, I'll play it on my own later. I'll play it with somebody else. But it's possible that the people in your specific scenario learn a different way, right? Like they need to read the rules themselves, or they need to watch a video, or they need to do this, or they need to do that. Or that there's a genuine fear of like not wanting to lose in front of everybody before they even know the rules of the game. And so they're just, just withdrawing before that there's a chance for that to happen or like having to compete even in a small scenario with a large group of people is sort of producing some mild anxiety. And so maybe it's better to, to attempt one-on-one with those people to play a game with them in an environment that they maybe feel more comfortable in. Part of that's because like, I don't know why, but I have a feeling that like, those same people would probably be fine playing spoons or hearts or some other like old school game that they've played a billion times before. And the reason is because they already know it. Right. Or they just need a quick reminder of it. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and that, that is really the intimidating thing about board games and why I think they're important to play. Um, because I think those are real things you should learn in life, which is how to be a good sport, how to be a gracious winner, how to not be a sore loser how to like compete in a way that's healthy where like you can compete, but not let it affect you when you leave, or you can like compete without like being mean to other people. I think those are like valuable skills to have in life. Um, and I think board games give you a chance to practice those skills. And that's one of the reasons, like, like I'd gotten into Euro games. It's another reason why I've gotten into more competitive games as opposed to just purely social games was because they, they test different things and they allow you like, nobody cares if you go, super hard in a two-player competitive card game. But people do care if you go super hard in the resistance because what that looks like in a two-player card game is putting cards down on the board. But what it looks like in the resistance is like lying and being aggressive and getting in people's faces. And not like I'm not super anti the resistance or anything, but what the game tests is your ability to you know socially manipulate people, right? And that's just inherently a more traumatic experience than watching a guy be like, all right, land drop, 
tap X 30 damage. All right, you're dead. Cool. Good game, man. You want to play again? Like, <laughs> yeah. there's nothing socially, like, at risk there. Yeah, well, I think we tackled it. I, I, I went, in, went into the conversation knowing there was no definite answer, but I think it's maybe something to think about of helping you guys unwrap why maybe your uncle out of everyone doesn't want to play games and maybe that's just not his or her thing to do and that's fine but sometimes you need more players or sometimes you strongly believe (laughs) that that person would enjoy the game if they gave it a chance and not to go back to two rooms and a boom but i think two rooms and a boom is a good example of like the more players the better and also besides that game taking you know eight minutes it's super low risk and it's super easy to learn and i i've I'm sure there are people out there that don't like two rooms in a boom, <laughs> but they exist. They're on board game geek. I've seen them, <laughs> <laughs> but like in my situations of taking it to families or taking it to work events, I have never seen anyone not enjoy it in the, in the situation I've presented it. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, like hospitality is about laying down your arms, right. And, um, being welcoming to somebody else and board games are a great sort of, peace offering in that sort of sense of just saying like, all right, here's my table. Like, let's all do this thing together. But if you really have somebody that really doesn't like games and you really feel like they would, I think one-on-one individual directed attention might be a good way to broach that as opposed to um, in a big group scenario. Um, Some of these social games, which I think are great gateway games can also be bad gateway games for certain types of players. Um, Super shy people might need to have the control of a game uh, like a Euro style game where they know that they're not going to be screwed over by somebody at the last minute. They know they're not going to be forced to talk to somebody and they could sort of do their own thing. Or maybe they just need a quick game like you mad bro, um, where you could just sort of push your luck and there's not a lot of mechanics and everybody can keep talking and it's close to a game like spoons. You know, Um, the key is to really consider your audience and the person you're talking to and, you know, if they really don't like something, like, don't force somebody to eat broccoli if that's really not what they want to eat, you know. But there's also a way to be like, hey, I could put broccoli in a shake with some stevia or whatever and some mangoes and you might like it then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Well, I think just finding probably what Sean said, finding the right experience for the person is going to be the best way. If, if you really feel that they would learn to enjoy games more and they just kind of need a gradual exposure... Finding a game, actually finding a game that steps up where you can actually have a successful experience with two or three players, and then that can expand to be the same game with six players once they get comfortable with how it's played, That that's a great way. And then, you know, once they're comfortable with those six people, then you can have that group and say, all right, let's try something that you haven't tried before, but it's with these six people that you've played this game you were comfortable with, so you can, can carry that comfort over and play even more games and learn to enjoy the hobby and spend all your money. <laughs> right? The only the only reason you're bringing people in is so that they can spend money on games and you're not the only person spending money on games anymore. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a reason. But for me, the reason of playing board games with family is to not watch football instead. I mean, I like a good football game. But speaking of the hobby, I think we've all played games recently that we've talked about to death. For table talk purposes, 
The only thing I really played over the holidays, which went over very well, uh, was Exposed. Uh, that was my favorite game that came out in 2016. I played it with uh, my sister, my older sister, who uh, is not a board gamer by any means, but she did ask me to bring some games to her house, and uh, we were able to fit in a game of Exposed, and she understood it, uh, and she played very badly, but she walked away with it having fun, uh, so that was an accomplishment. Still a great game, but uh, what about you guys? Well, I mean, I played Vanguard with my mom because I spent a lot of money on a Vanguard deck for her, so we <laughs> spent time playing it. She's just, she doesn't, like, she knows the game, but she doesn't understand the complexities, so we kind of play a simplified version, um, and I'm hoping to play with her more so that she can truly learn to enjoy the game. But, you know, that's since I spent the holidays with my mom, that's that's really where the focus was. And, you know, it's really nice that in her credit, a 70 year what 71 year old woman can enjoy a CCG, you know, so, yeah, that's that's, that's, that's so something cool. fun we can do together about a month before Gen Con. I think you and I should talk again because I want to build a Vanguard deck because they look so cool. Um, and then we can play a little bit of Gen Con. I, but I don't really I have like anyone to that. play with here. I, I mm, we got to work on that. We can talk about that later. Um, <laughs> okay, cool. But yeah, I was actually thinking of going to Origins this year. So that's yeah, we about do a month before, before Gen Cons, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. I can play at Origins too. There's more time, more downtime. Yeah, SBJ they, should go also. They won't have any product to sell, anyways. <laughs> Harsh <It's a> tradition. <laughs> I played Flam Rouge with some close friends of Lindsay and mine. Um, two, and they're not like a. They've they've played like they play Pandemic Legacy, but they don't like board games aren't their life. But like they've played some modern games and they like them, you know. Um, but this was all three of their first time playing, and Flam Rouge was great. One of them, two of them are actually actually all three of them have like cycled competitively. I want to say, um, and so it was kind of fun explaining those sort of things. Um, and you also forget like if you play a lot of board games that there's so many mechanics that naturally makes sense like for instance in flam rouge um you draw four cards then you pick a card that you're going to play and then the other three cards get played face down at the bottom of your deck so you know when to shuffle but then the card that you played gets you know banished from your deck for the rest of the game so your deck is constantly getting milled and words like banished and milled are concepts that you guys understand because you've played a lot of different games you know but even the idea that like hey you're going to be winnowing your deck down to something very either efficient or inefficient by the end of this game. Um, that's a concept you might've naturally picked up if you've played any sort of drafting game before or any sort of deck building game before. But if it's like a brand new concept for you, like you're just trying to remember like, what's the next thing I do, you know, on my turn. But yeah, great, great game. We had a lot of fun. I think that wraps up our episode. If you guys have any thoughts on the, the topic we had, uh, feel free to share your experiences with us, you can do that at podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. Cause of Death Ghost is on the website. <laughs> I don't know if you guys mentioned that last week, but print and play is on TuesdayNightGames.com. Uh, all right, then. Well, you can follow us all on Twitter. Will is at Wash in the, S- Wash in the Sink. John is at Sean McCoy. I am at Dragging a Lake. You can follow the show on Twitter at PlayTKG. Otherwise, I think that this episode is eggnog no <laughs> this episode is eggnog there you go finished